Welcome to the Safety with Purpose Women in Safety podcast. This is a show that provides a supportive space for women in safety careers. We break down the barriers and provide opportunities for growth. Make sure to hit that subscribe button to be notified of new episodes and join us at safetywithpurpose.com. Now, here's your Women in Safety podcast host, Tamara Paris. Hi, I'm your host, Tamara Paris of the Women in Safety podcast. In this episode, I'm speaking with Iolanthi Kuljak, the president of Optimum Ergo, and her friend, Corey Martin, president of Spotlight Safety. In this episode, we're going to be talking about ergonomics and safety in the workplace. I kind of wanted to kick off the conversation with understanding a bit about what is ergonomics and why is it important in our workplaces? Well, I'll start off with that question. Ergonomics basically is how the human and machines in general or workspaces work together and interact with each other and ideally interact in the most um, easy and comfortable positions. Um, The best example would be like your computer desk to make sure things are set up where you're not um, straining your neck and your shoulders or your elbows. The same goes into manufacturing, construction, or any other situation. A lot of times engineers are involved to design equipment, um, particularly like in manufacturing, so that the people can work well with it. Um, But many times we just make adjustments to current workplaces so that people and Uh, machines and their equipment can work together safely and with less um, discomfort. And why is it important to the workplace is number one, um, you want to prevent musculoskeletal disorders. So the more comfortable and best uh, neutral postures that we can use, um, then the less risk there are for MSDs. It also will increase productivity. So many times the better the ergonomic setup is you're also um, improving the efficiency of doing the job. So that also will um, improve productivity and also can help with employee retention because if people are feeling better in their job and not going home with aches and pains and they also know that their employer actually cares on how they work and in a comfortable position, they're going to want to continue to work for that company. So it helps with your employee retention as well. Yeah. And I'll just uh, add to that. So I think ergonomics is one of those few elements of a safety program and a wellness program that's industry independent. So, you know, we have a lot of policies in the safety field that are very specific to a certain industry. You know, not every workplace has a lockout tagout program or a need for confined space regulations or anything like that. But ergonomics, I mean, if you have a single workstation and one employee, you're going to have ergonomic issues at that workspace. Um, so, you know, it's one of those few elements of the, the workplace safety program that you kind of have to look at no matter which um, industry or organization you're at. That's a, that's a great point, Corey, because you could have one person or you could have 10,000 employees, but they all, um, ergonomics comes into play with every single person, even the person working from home independently. Right. Yeah. And I, that, I didn't know about the... Um, productivity element that you spoke about. So I'd really like to dig into that a little bit deeper. Well, if you're, if particularly, let's say on a manufacturing side or even like in construction, if you're, if you're, well, even on a computer for that matter, if you're set up where your body's more comfortable on a computer, you're going to feel better and, and be able to do your work with, um, 
more efficiency, but look, particularly like in manufacturing or in construction, when you're setting um, the equipment up such that there's a good flow for the body, there's also a better flow for the product coming through. Um, if you incorporate lean uh, manufacturing um, into the ergonomics, which is what I like to do, then you're going to, or even into construction, um, you're going to have uh, the things that you use the most close to you. So you're not going to be walking across a room. You're not going to be taking that time. You're going to have things flowing in a better way from one part of the manufacturing process, let's say to the next step. You wouldn't want that product to have to go across the, the manufacturing floor. You want that next step to be close by. So that's less carrying or if there is manual material handling by the employees. Um, that actually will increases productivity because you're wait, not wasting that time, but you're also saving that person's um, risk for injury by keeping things moving in a simple way and close to their bodies as possible. Yeah, and I think the easiest way to measure this um, or think about it, I guess, is you know ergonomics injuries are one of the largest contributors to missed time or restricted job responsibilities. So if you have you know your go-to facility uh, worker who's missing time, well, somebody either has to take over those responsibilities or you have to train someone else and that process takes time. So, you know, anytime you have an injury or a job restri restriction in one of these areas, uh, it can really set back productivity overall. That's a good point, Corey. Um, per OSHA, a third of all injuries reported are, are MSDs. And you're right. And not only does it reduce time when you have to train somebody else, but it also is a huge cost factor to bring Absolutely. in another employee and um, have to retrain somebody. So then how can ergonomics and safety be working together, Corey? Yeah, so I think, at least in my experience, a lot of the safety programs that I've been involved with or I've consulted for, they really do take the ergonomic assessment role for the uh, organization. I think historically that's based in the fact that you know, OSHA used to have an ergonomic standard. They no longer have it. It was actually repealed right after they put it in in the United States. But, um, you know, overall, I think it just fits into that category. You know, OSHA can still cite ergonomic issues through the general duty clause. Um, so I think it's a, it's a safety responsibility in most cases. Uh, and then I mentioned the fact that it is one of the largest contributors to missed time and uh, restricted time. Uh, and, you know, I think one of the things that I've noticed is you have safety programs and safety training and ergonomics should be a component of that. It not, isn't always. I think some programs put a lot more emphasis on the ergonomics piece than others. Um, but each one of them should certainly have, you know, either computer posture safety, you know, even for their office staff or, you know, just a hazard assessment done on those repetitive actions because, um, uh, you know, a lot of workplaces may not have the, the heavy lifting kind of components or the, the big strain potential that uh, some manufacturing sites and larger kind of warehouse type uh, industries have. Uh, but, you know, every single workplace that I've been in has some ergonomic need. And I kind of relate it to the same level slips, trips, and falls hazard where, it's always there, but it's not something that people would necessarily cite as a top hazard in the workplace. Right. And, and, and I agree with all that. And 
I've, if my experience, the people that are dealing with the safety issues are dealing with all those OSHA regulations and don't always have the time to initiate the ergonomics component, component of things, um, which by the way, uh, even though our OSHA does not have an ergo standard, their EU OSHA does have an ergo standard and requires it even for office workers that they have a, an assessment done. Um, um, hoping that this there will maybe people worldwide listening on this um so there are standards in other countries that do require the ergonomics but the other um factor can be um that, that they do intertwine so it's the ergonomic side is not just it, it, it could be on how someone's posture is being utilized for example on a ladder um is a poor posture but also be, at the same time becomes a safety issue because they're reaching away from the ladder to do their job so there's a combination of it's all part of the same um same process of preventing injury i guess is the best way to put it you know i i was hoping that you might be able to share a little bit more with us about how ergonomics really impacts the workers health and well-being because i know that that's one of your areas of expertise Yes, I'm actually a healthcare provider by trade. I'm a physical therapist, so healthcare is um, how I started um, before I became certified in ergonomics. Um, yeah, if uh, you do want to incorporate all aspects of health as um, in the program when you're doing the ergonomic side of things, um, because the more physically fit a employee is to do their job, they're less likely they are to be injured. But that being said, the ergonomics is how things work together. So educating that person on when they should move, how fit they should be for their job. Are they hydrating well as part of their day? Are they getting enough sleep, which all comes into play with safety as well, because you know the lack of sleep is the same as being under the influence of alcohol. They've done some studies with that. So you want people to get the entire wellness involved. Um, so and the ergonomics, as we've already said, if you have good ergonomics, you're decreasing that risk of having that MSD or injury or musculoskeletal disorder. And therefore, you're going to feel better when you leave work, be able to do your extracurricular health activities or sports and things like that to keep you going. In what way have you seen ergonomics help with reduce certain safety issues? Oh, yeah, sure. So, you know, I think it's one of those things that's difficult to directly quantify, but in the organizations that I've been involved with that have made a big push for ergonomic safety uh, and putting an emphasis on improving their workplace practices and program overall, you can tell noticeably that you're seeing higher productivity, you're seeing fewer of those, you know, strains, issues, pain points that don't, you know, make it onto the job restriction level, but um, are more comfortable from the worker's standpoint. So they're, you know, happier in their job, as, as I have said. And, you know, I think it just, it allows people to take the stigma off of bringing those issues up and sharing those concerns with other people when you're putting an emphasis on the ergonomics piece. I think in some cases people are hesitant to raise those concerns because it's kind of a oh I can just suck it up mentality I don't want to see myself as a, a problem or have somebody perceive me the wrong way so um, in those cases you know there's increased communication and uh, I think worker safety overall that's one of the things I try to emphasize and it is a problem for many organizations is that the employee is afraid to speak up because they're not told that is okay too. And I think that's um, important that organization from the top 
all the way down to the bottom. There's good communication um, so that they're encouraging people to speak up regardless of any sign, early symptoms they might be feeling, any ergonomic issues they might be feeling or seeing in their job or around them. And the same thing with safety issues. If we can get people to not be shown then, but feel more empowered to speak up, then the whole organization can do better to prevent injury. You know, Ayo, you've been doing this quite a long time and you've put a lot of programs in place and I really wanted to understand from you, what kind of results have you been seeing when there is a robust ergonomics uh, program in place? Well, decrease injuries for one. Um, I've had a number of programs where they were having multiple, in fact, I just talked to a safety person today with a federal organization um, on a huge program that we've implemented over the years and then presented to the whole organization in the federal realm and basically had, it was on falls for their volunteers and basically had zero falls. So by educating those people, it's empower them to take care of themselves. I think that's the most important part. So getting people to um, be empowered and communicate. So the other thing would be the communication I was talking about. So when I put together these programs, it opens up a line of communication where people were afraid to speak up. It was this, this I'm thinking of one that was a bunch of office workers. Um, and I um, did a preliminary uh, survey. And then I, I mentioned some components of that survey in the um, training. And then they're like, oh, I wasn't the only one that felt like the room was cold or the lighting was bad. So it opened up communication and it made everybody work together better in the organization. So it doesn't only prevent injury, it also gets people uh, feeling part of a team and working together and making things better and not feeling alone or isolated. So, And that's a very important piece of the puzzle is that building trust and rapport so that people are more in a collaboration when they're in the workplace. And Corey, I wanted to kind of um, direct this at you to learn why is ergonomics and safety viewed as separate and not really an integrated program in many organizations? Yeah, that's a great question. So I think there are a number of potential reasons. I think the three main ones that I can think of um, really rely on or really relate to, you know, A, there's not a defined standard. So when you're in a lot of organizations, you know, and they're solely looking for compliance rather than true safety, they're kind of doing the bare minimum just to hit that compliance threshold threshold before they actually expand their safety program to actually make the workplace safe. Uh, and when that happens, they're going to put a lot more emphasis on the lockout tagout, confined spaces, maybe bloodborne pathogens, depending on what they have. But those programs that have defined written policy requirements and defined training requirements and just a lot more emphasis from the regulators, I think as safety professionals, we can all agree that that's not the best approach uh, to, you know, completing the, the safety program. But I do think it, there's an element of that. I think it's also hard because in many workplaces, the ergonomics issues that are most likely to crop up are more the chronic hazard issues, the repetition of motion, the fact that you could do it once and be fine, but if you have to do it for four hours through the course of a workday, then you know those repetitive motions start to build up and become an issue. And when you compare them to things like acute chemical hazards and you know, the infectious agents, the safety professionals can 
realize the dangers, but the person actually doing the work may not appreciate that those repetition, uh, repetitive motions are actually um, you know, going to lead to some chronic issues. And then the third component, for me at least, is the fact that most of the time you don't have a dedicated ergonomics professional in the program. So I think because it tends to just fall on the safety team who you know, may have a differing background in their ergonomics safety training, uh, you know, there may not be the resources on site. And because of that, it's difficult to kind of convince others that it's an important point of emphasis for the organization as a whole. And when that's the case, when you start you know, doing assessments or recommending products that may be a little bit pricey, um, especially when organizations are just starting out and, you know, putting their workstations in place. Uh, it can be difficult to justify some of those financial resources um, to get the program where you want it from the beginning rather than kind of having to make those uh, retrofits later on. And I guess I would actually like to hear from Io about how you know, the strategies that she uses to kind of get programs and basically upper management on board with, you know, getting those resources in place? Well, that's a good question. And, and I like all your comments on, on the, the why it's separate and it's good points. You know, if there's not a standard, sometimes people put the, you know, we have to do this, so let's do this first. Um, and the repetitive, you know, it's like you said with the chemicals, that's easy. Just, you know, all right, we have an issue, it's going to happen quick, but the repetitive motion, that's a prolonged thing and they don't see the results as quick, although they do in, in reality, if you sure. start monitoring your, your um, injuries. Um, and, the, and then and not having a dedicated ergo professional, which is where I always come in to play and I, I contact the safety people because they don't always, they, you know, they learn about ergo, but they don't have that specialty and they're bombarded with the things that are under the OSHA regulations. So pulling in somebody outside such as myself or any other ergo professional is helpful if they don't have one on, on staff to add that because it shouldn't be separated. Um, and as far as that, so when I'm, as, if, as far as your question on coming into an organization, um, I approached them with it being part of, needed to be part of the safety process. And it doesn't always have to be a, pricey product. I mean, obviously, if you're just building, let's say, a new office and you're putting brand new stuff in from the start or a big manufacturing facility, from the start, getting the good ergonomics from the beginning is great. But if someone's established, maybe they don't have the proper equipment, there are definitely cost-effective, low-cost ways to make smaller changes and make a difference. So, you know, whether it be stacking pallets on top of each other so you're not bending over versus having something that lifts the pallets itself. I mean, you can do, do very simple solutions that don't have to cost a lot of money because not every company has um, that much money to throw to the side of ergonomics. And they, and they do want to look at it as, as separate when it really shouldn't be separate from the safety aspect because it kind of all intertwines you know, within in the whole scheme of things. I'd like to hear more, Io, on your ideas about how we can be integrating them. Well, just as I was saying, pulling, it has to be as part of the integrated, um, part. Of, it is part of the safety program, and it really should be, but like, he, like Corey was saying, it's not falling as much under the regulations, but then again, they can be cited for safety, for ergonomic issues by OSHA. Um, you know, definitely either having an on-site person or 
you know, that's in-house or pulling a consultant out of house to work together with the safety person because, as I believe I said earlier, it, it's, it's not completely separate. Um, and it shouldn't be separate from the organization. I think that's part of the problem with both safety and ergonomics. It shouldn't be a side dish. It should be part of the main dish. The whole organization main dish should be working together because it's the communication. It's the how you um, set up your manufacturing or your office workers and how you en embrace how they should work in their day. So it's a part of the whole process. It's a process and it has to be an ongoing process. And so, it, you know, like I, I mentioned earlier about the ladder example, if the posture is bad, um, that's bad for the shoulder, someone like working with a drill overhead, but reaching out from the ladder, but that's also a safety issue because the ladder could tip over. So they're, they're not separate by any means. So by always integrating it in their entire safety program and having their, and training, training just like with safety, if their employees are trained with the ergonomics, so they need to look out, they know what to see and look in, in each other's postures and then they can address that just like they would any safety issue. Yeah, I agree. So I've been, you know, involved with a lot of organizations at this point and the amount of organizations that don't have ergonomics at all as part of their safety program in terms of training or messaging or anything like that is actually pretty shocking to me when I actually get into the field and, and do that assessment. So, you know, and even those that do have ergonomics as part of training, it tends to be at the very end of HASCOM and it's maybe three slides out of, I don't know, 80 to 100. And it's kind of one of those afterthought things where, you know, if there's more intention put to it and people are actively asked about ergonomics and how they're feeling throughout the workday and, you know, basically encouraged to give feedback on maybe processes that could be improved or, um, you know, as I said, just stacking a couple pallets so they don't have to bend down to grab heavy things or, you know, there are a lot of different ways that you can address these things, but you have to be intentional about it and you have to encourage the communication element. Right. That's a good point. And, and I just want to add to this, um, ergonomics should not, or it really, when I, when I want to teach it and, and embrace what it is, it doesn't mean just at work. This is in our whole lives. So if people become trained in ergonomics at work, they can take that to the work to the home, you know, when you're vacuuming or doing other things, um, when you're out there mowing your lawn, when you're doing your sports, managing your body and your postures can become a good thing for the health and wellness that we mentioned earlier. That's good for everything in life. So they can take that into the workplace, but they have to be educated someplace. So workplace is number one to do that because um, you want employees not getting injured at work. And we spend a big part of our day at work. So like um, he was talking about, Corey was mentioning the repetitive motions. You do something once, you're maybe you won't get injured with that, but you do it over and over improperly. That's when you're going to have an issue. So um, really, and we spend a lot of time at work. So that's the most risky place we probably spend our day. So definitely teaching ergonomics um, to empower everybody to communicate and uh, work together, I think is great. Yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting because really health and safety professionals were more generalist IO than, mm -hmm. you know, and I think people believe that we should know intimately certain areas that we really, we, do, we aren't ergonomics experts. And so we don't have the knowledge like somebody like yourself would have 
coming. And I think what it's really key, and, and this is what I'm hoping people do, is reach out to you and network because we need to be connecting with one another and learning from each other. So like if, if this is an area that you're not sure of and you don't have a lot of information, network with other people who it is their area of expertise because it's really about sharing resources. IO, I'm wanting to encourage our listeners to reach out and connect with you. And how could they do that? Well, you can connect with me on LinkedIn for sure. Or you could uh, reach me on my website at OptimumErgo.com or email me IO at OptimumErgo.com. And how can people connect with you, Corey? Yeah, so I'm also on LinkedIn. I think that's how IO and I connected initially. Uh, I also have my primary website, SpotlightSafetyInc.com. There's a contact us portion of that that I check frequently. Um, I'm also the founder of brewsafer.com, which is a workplace safety consulting uh, group targeting craft breweries and distilleries, those startup groups in that industry, uh, as well as um, just general email. You know, if you want to contact me at cmartin at spotlightsafetyinc.com, I'd be happy to connect with anyone who has questions. Now, before we close out our discussion, I did want to ask you two to share with our listeners your most important piece of advice to help keep people safe in our workplaces. Yeah, I can start on that one. So for me, it's really about communication and involving as many people in the organization as you can. So, you know, if you only go for a bottom-up approach and you're only interacting with the at-risk employees, you're probably going to know a lot about what needs to be fixed and handled, but you may not have the resources to do so. Whereas if you're only talking to upper management, you could, you know, put these massive policies in place. You could, you know, propose these major changes to the program, but they may not be relevant to the actual workers and what they actually need. So, you know, getting a consistent communication structure throughout the organization and involving as many people as possible. You know, safety committees are great ways of doing that as long as you're involving people throughout the organization. But, you know, I find a lot of issues in safety programs that are only working with, you know, one level of the organization rather than trying to include everybody. That's great, Corey. That's similar things I've come across. I think it needs to be multi dimensional and multi-level in the organization. And another thing that I would add for, for, for the one thing that you could do was use good awareness um, for people if they just had to, um, this goes for ergonomics and safety, being aware of their environment, being aware of postures, being aware of the regulations if you need to know those things on what's safe, what's unsafe, what's a good posture, what's a poor posture, um, being aware of those around you and, and helping each other out. So um, I think awareness is um, a key factor for um, maintaining good ergonomics and safety. Well, thank you, guys. That's all the time that we have for today. And I do want to thank both of you for being on the show. Thank you. Thank you very much, Tamara. That concludes my conversation with Iolanthe Kuljak and Corey Martin. We hope that you found this episode informative. For more information, see our show notes at safetywithpurpose.com dot com backslash women in safety. Please visit safopedia.com where you will find many safety resources in the form of white papers, webinars, quizzes, articles, research reports, and more. 
Until next time, stay safe. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed the Women in Safety podcast. Thank you for clicking the subscribe button and sharing it with others. Make sure to visit us at safetywithpurpose.com for more safety leadership and industry discussions. 